1: To talk about Ken Dorsey Day, to talk about the Browns' off season, we welcome on Nathan Zagura, Browns analyst on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Nathan, ahoy!
2: What's up, man? Good to be with you.
1: It's uh, always great to have you. I gotta know, I know, I know. Uh, know There's the Zaguras uh, roll deep. What are we doing this off season, friend?
2: Uh, oh, we got a, a little anniversary trip back to, uh, to Scottsdale coming up uh, in February, middle of February, February 17th. And then other than that, you know, just locked in. We'll got the combine will be uh, right when I get back and then we'll have free agency. It never ends the National Football League. So we're all we're always going to be moving. But that'll be that's the big trip that's on the horizon.
1: I'm not buying that. There's not a Costa Rica trip there. A Jamaica no. trip. Come on, Nathan. No, can Be no. honest with you. Boy, not Nicky right now. Wants-
2: Right. I, listen. I would love that. Hopefully, we'll get back to Port Vallarta. We always love going there. So we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. We haven't we haven't decided yet. And some there's got to be some trip for me to go chase the small ball around. So we got we got things to work on still.
1: I chase the small ball arounds the perfect way because I do. I chase it into the into the lake. I chase it into the farmer's field. Like that's the perfect way. No, to Now you got to gotta let those
2: ones go, Nick. You yeah. Let, once they're that's that you've given up on that ball. That ball's I, gone.
1: I'm the wrong combination of cheap and bad at golf. So i i think I think that's kind of where we are. Um, Nathan, What stood out to you most from Ken Dorsey's intro presser today?
2: Just that he, how much he kind of you can see how he would fit here in terms of you know very intelligent, very kind of calm. Uh, except when he's not, which we certainly know that's so, a fiery competitor despite the calm exterior, uh, very intentional, I thought, with his words and also kind of what he was talking about doing here with this offense. And I think that he comes from a background, and the things that are his strengths are things that maybe were voids that needed to be filled in our offense. And so, you know, coming from that spread, shotgun, RPO, drop-back game, dual-threat quarterbacks, you know, with Cam and with Josh Allen, I think he's going to have a lot of ideas and concepts and things that will be very well tailored to what Deshaun Watson's skills are and the things that he does well. And and when I talked to him on Browns Daily, you know, I said, we kind of have a unique chance. You don't see a lot of times where the Shanahan-Kubiak system is also really married with kind of that shotgun RPO game. It's kind of you're really good at one or the other, and you think about the quarterbacks that operate them. This is a unique, I think, opportunity to kind of have that full offensive arsenal, uh, and I think it will be very helpful, and I certainly we all hope so, right, because it's the most important thing, but for to get Deshaun Watson playing as one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL as he was in Houston.
1: So that was a big uh, talking point. Ken kind of made a few references today about – You know, not just his time in Buffalo with Josh Allen, but his time with Cam in Carolina. I'm I'm curious, like schematically, system-wise, what's the most important? We've heard RPOs, we've heard spread, we've heard all these different concepts, but like, what's the most important thing offensively, schematically related to getting the most and the max out of Deshaun?
2: Well, I think it's uh, to figure out what he is the most comfortable with, the things that he excels at, and I think. We have an opportunity now with Ken Dorsey and his background, as you mentioned with Cam and with Josh Allen to to have those things in our arsenal that maybe he is the most comfortable with. And I don't know that, you know, with kind of that under center scheme, if we had that. The other thing I would add is Ken Dorsey's been very effective at scheming up shot plays that do not come off solely of play action. And for the Browns, that really is the staple, right? Everything looks the same. The marriage of the run pass, you sell that run action, you can hit big plays. And we certainly saw that with Joe Flacco. So I think having the ability to be vertical and to really stretch the field, challenge the field, regardless of if we're going an under center play action, deep shot back player, just a straight up from the shotgun drop back. I think will be will be valuable for Deshaun and I think valuable for the Cleveland Browns. I think, look, we've got one of the best offensive systems in the NFL. If there was one thing you know that you really haven't seen this offensive style kind of really thrive with it is that kind of you know a quarterback like Deshaun. And so Deshaun has been, you know, he did some of it as rookie year in Houston, but for the most part was a, a shotgun guy who made plays. And I think you're going to get some more opportunities to do that with some of the things that Ken Dorsey is so well versed in uh now that he's on the staff.
1: Nathan, will we know who will call the plays offensively by Memorial Day?
2: I don't know. That That's a a fair question. I don't know it based on how we deal and kind of disseminate that kind of information. My guess is you won't know until either the preseason or week one, because it really doesn't matter. And it, there's no benefit from letting other people know as long as the Browns know what their plan is going to be. I thought from the way that that Kevin stated it talked about it and from the way that Ken talked about it is they're going to figure out whatever they think it gives us the best chance to win and then that's what they're going to go with. Kevin's an elite play caller. I really think he is. I think he knows how to sequence things very well. Dorsey obviously was very effective in Buffalo and, and really got Josh Allen just kind of really turned the ball over a lot early in the year and some of that was put onto Dorsey and that's why they made that change there but you look at you know his full season they were number two in yards number two in points and so he's been effective at it. I think they'll they'll figure that out. That is something that I think people outside the building are much more worried about and enamored with than perhaps in the building, if that makes sense.
1: I don't disagree with you on that or the Kevin is really darn good at calling plays. Nathan Zagura, Browns analyst on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotlines. I do just like answers. I'm a simple man, Nathan. Um, yeah. I. What is the Browns' number one need this offseason?
2: That's a good question. Um, in my mind... It is a field-stretching wide receiver. It doesn't necessarily have to be the number one, but, for example, even if it's a guy like Gabe Davis, who knows Ken Dorsey, knows his system, has been one of the best vertical receivers in the NFL, gives size that we don't have in our room, you know, that would be great. I think that that's, from an offensive standpoint, that's the number one thing to me. Um, and, And then defensively, you know, whether it's Zadarius coming back or, or you go and you bring somebody else in, I think getting you know another, we still haven't seen that other pass rusher opposite Miles get to you know the double digit sacks. Clowney got close at nine, but I think having that second guy would would be a big big thing. I'd love to see Zadarius back. I think that you could take a look at a guy like Derek Barnett, who was a former first rounder in Philly. Not saying that he's the total answer. I thought Alex Wright came on really strong at the end of the year had a sack in four of the last five games, um, but you know Barnett was a guy who with Cesare who's now the defensive line coach, played the best football of his career in Houston. So he's somebody who would probably come cheap, but that's really it. I mean, I think it's kind of figuring out who's going to be the offensive line coach is probably a big one because you're trying to replace the irreplaceable in Bill Callahan. Um, But yeah, I want playmaker on offense at the wide receiver position, and then you could think about trotting out you know Nick Chubb, chief, and then at wide receiver – Whoever this guy is, Amari and Elijah, and then maybe Cedric Tillman keeps developing. You know, David Bell keeps developing. That's those would be great scenarios, and maybe you draft somebody as well. But yeah, I want that receiver, and I think people are hoping it's going to be T. Higgins. I've seen you know Deshaun recruiting him and all of that. It's hard for me to envision everybody in Cincinnati saying it's going to be a tag and trade. It's it's really hard for me to envision a scenario in which the Cincinnati Bengals say, "Yeah, sure, you guys can have T. Higgins in our division, right up in the state in Cleveland." I just don't see that being realistic.
1: Nathan, looking to the tight end spot, and this is gonna—I—I I think Njoku could do it, but I think they value his blocking so much it probably makes it tougher to. Given that they could want to do some more spread concepts, could we maybe see a need for like? It needs hard, but could we see them go looking for another tight end that maybe can help more in like an inline tight end spot, or maybe even some of they could spread out more?
2: I mean, I think Chief would be there. There aren't. It's Kittle and, and Chief are probably the best two all around receiving and blocking tight ends. So I don't know you'd be looking for an inline guy as much. I think Jordan Akins, you know, showed at, at, we just didn't use him much. I think he maybe would have a chance to flourish a little more uh, in a system like this and was a very good pass catcher the year before down in Houston where he had 500 yards, five touchdowns, and averaging 13.4 yards a catch. Um, I, I think that's a position that could have some turnover. We'll see, you know, with Harrison Bryant, what that if he's back. They've got a guy on the practice squad. Honestly, if you're looking for just like a guy with an unbelievable physique who could probably block Zaire Mitchell, Payton as somebody that certainly I think could fit that bill tomorrow. He's a specimen. Um, I think it's look. I'm always enamored with the the receiver position. I think that's got to be that's probably the big one and then defense it's just maintaining you know what you had in that defensive line room knowing that you had so many of your defensive tackles on one year deals and and some of your defensive end as well in the ten, in the sense of Zadarius Smith.
1: Nathan, we know uh, Andrew Barry likes to get creative. I mean some of the stuff he's done just for Amari or for Zadarius, some of the other trades he's made. Um it's honestly one of my favorite things about him. I love when yep. when GMs kind of just have that galaxy brain ability like he does. But if the Browns were to deal from any of their positions of strength, whether it's to get a receiver or to try and get you know higher up in the draft or another top one hundred draft pick, what area would would make the most sense if they were looking to deal from their current roster?
2: I, I that I don't know. My guess would be offensive line because you have so much investment there and you do have so much talent and you know with the way Dewan jones played you've got basically three starting tackles so maybe and you're going to need them so you never want to trade out of your depth but at the same time that feels like a position where we have things that people might find appealing around the league
1: nathan it's always good to talk to you buddy uh you've been such a great sport always appreciate you and uh, enjoy Scottsdale, but uh, you know, just keep us in right. the deeps when something else comes up. You know,
2: all right. You want so, yeah, want something a little more exotic and exciting? All right, I'll work on it.
1: I, that's just how I think about you. I just think yeah. of you as a man of leisure, as a man who goes out there because you work your <laughs> ass off so much, dude. Like you really do. That like when you're off, I got you. know, Hey man, we're I mean, never I'm,
2: off though. We're I'm, never I'm off. I'm going to daily... South
1: Africa. Like that's what like, no. I, I need that kind of stuff.
2: Maybe maybe some. I'd like to. I mean, I would like. I would love to be saying I'm going to Bordeaux and I'm going to go walk, tour around france and drink a bunch of wine but hopefully that'll be in the card someday right now it, and the truth really is think about it february combine march free agency april draft may minicamp june mandatory minicamp it it rolls like it just the nfl has done a very good job of making this a year long machine and there's always good content to cover so maybe this summer we'll see
1: don't forget that that schedule release week that's a big yeah, one right schedule there for release the NFL. of course it's huge Nathan, great stuff buddy appreciate right, you you got Nathan, it. Nathan Zagura Brown's analyst. Diana Rossini had a great quote on the athletic football show about Mike Vrabel and why he was shut out in this coaching hire. I'm just gonna read the whole thing because it is manna from heaven. We got we got something uh, to say from Nathan's interview with us, but uh Diana on Mike Vrabel, quote, I don't think there was a fit for him. I don't think he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for. I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being, and he can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions, and that is a factor. Anybody want any, like, window into toxic masculinity? If Mike Vrabel is too large of a human to have in your organization, and Mike does He's got the kind of crazy football guy. Like, he is oddly intimidating. Sorry, oddly intense, not intimidating. And that can be intimidating. But, like, Mike Vrabel's a pretty damn good head coach. If you're worried about him intimidating you, you got to be some kind of soft. Like, I don't even throw that around a lot, but the idea that that, that NFL owners look at Mike Vrabel and are like, he's a very large human being. I, I guess Andy Reid must just be the most a disarming human being on the planet. Andy Reid, large fella. Like Mike Tice uh, used to be Minnesota's coach for for a minute. Mike Tice was like six foot eight, 300 pounds. Pretty intimidating. It's okay. Large people can be unintimidating. I just love the idea that that's not why Mike, like Washington was like, well, Dan Quinn's like 6'1, 230. Me not scared of him is bad.
3: Man, Dan Campbell better never lose his job.
1: I know, right? Like, Dan Campbell opened up his press conference. You know what? Detroit's going to win a Super Bowl. Because Detroit has no fear of kneecap biting. Dan Campbell's like six foot five, 260 pounds. He could have been a left tackle. Like, you ever seen that dude's hands? They're gigantic. But that's because Detroit has shown they're not afraid of very large men or very large people. Detroit's going to win a Super Bowl. Think about it Dan Campbell winning a lot, Andy Reid. The future's for fatties as far as I'm concerned. Dan Campbell is not fat, but I you get what I'm saying. That is just the best answer. Think about that. Like, uh, hey, uh, hey, Josh Harris, why don't you hire uh, Mike Vrabel? Why don't you hire the more established former head coach instead of Dan Quinn? Well, we got in a room with uh, Mike Vrabel, and uh, he's a very large human being. Say that one out loud. They wouldn't say it, by the way. They'd be like, ah, oh, we just felt this guy was more in line with our cultural values and what we wanted because he doesn't scare you. That's the that's the subtext of that. Good Lord. Nathan Zagura, Brown's analyst, was just with us. Um, I suddenly realized where I've gone nowhere in my life is I'm just too big of a guy. That's what it is. That's why I'm not the, 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 the CEO of Quicken Loans right now, or Rocket Mortgage is what they're called now. Um, it's because it, I don't get their name right and because I'm just too intimidating. That's what it is. I could be president of the United States now if I just wasn't six foot four and built like a brick, brick, you know what? Ah, Lord, you cursed me with this strong jawline and gigantic shoulders. Me and Mike Vrabel and Andy Reid, Dan Campbell, and I don't know, good amount of good coaches. Now, Nathan was with us, and uh, here's one of the things Nathan had to say in his last bit with us.
2: In my mind, it is a field-stretching wide receiver. It doesn't necessarily have to be the number one, but, for example, even if it's a guy like Gabe Davis, who knows Ken Dorsey, knows his system, has been one of the best vertical receivers in the NFL, gives size that we don't have in our... We get it.
0: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. You know, that
2: would be great. I think that that's from an offensive standpoint, that's the number one thing to me. And then defensively, whether it's Z'Darrius coming back or you go and you bring somebody else in, I think getting, you know, another, we still haven't seen that other pass rusher opposite Miles get to, you know, the double digit sacks. Clowney got close at nine, but I think having that second guy would be a big, big thing.
1: So I really like the way he put that. Cause I actually agree hundred percent with Nathan about the the Browns biggest offseason need you know, lost in the T. Higgins conversation. And listen, if you could get T. Higgins, that'd be great. I am assuming he's going to be franchise tagged, and the question will be whether he has an exclusive tag or non-exclusive tag. If he's non-exclusive tagged, then there's a uh, the ability to 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 basically sign and trade for him. As Nathan put it in his um, interview, it's very unlikely the Bengals would would gift wrap a team that has beat the brakes off them for the most part in the last four years, the the Cleveland Browns, uh, potential number one wide receiver. And and also, when you do that, um, other teams are going to be able to offer one or multiple first-round picks in a sign-and-trade for T. Higgins. But I think what Nathan got most right, listen, if you could get a number one tomorrow, if one fell in your lap, you'd take it if you're the Cleveland Browns. Everyone would take it, right? Um, Philadelphia had Smith. And they, they still went out and traded a first-round pick for A.J. Brown. Um, Miami had Jalen Waddell. They still went out and gave a first-round pick for Tyreek Hill. So if you can get it, that's great. But they are not in, in gigantic supply. So the idea of, man, if we could just find somebody that can hit home runs, I think that is... Like, to me, I want one of two things. I want either a speedy gadget player, a la like a Curtis Samuel from Ohio State who's been in Washington the last couple of years, a guy who does have injury concerns which drives down his value, but when he's healthy, the man can hit a home run from any spot on the field. And the, the Browns tried to make Elijah more into that this year. It did not work. I thought Elijah's best football was when Elijah played wide receiver. So... The best way you can maximize Elijah's, like your third wide receiver, by the way, is getting somebody else out there with speed. Like Kansas City guys, they don't really have a good wide receiver core, but from Kadarius Toney to Rice to uh, Valdez Scantling, I forgot at least two other guys that are in that mix who are also like basically the exact same guy, they have a buttload of speed. And that speed just put puts pressure on, on opposing defenses, no matter whether those guys are as good as Tyreek Hill or not. So, like, he mentioned Gabe Davis, and three or two years ago, I thought Gabe Davis was going to be, like, elite-level wide receiver because where he was going with his playmaking was to another level. The thing I like about the idea of Gabe Davis is that's a guy who's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, That's a guy who the perception is now negative because he didn't turn into that guy I was just saying. And that's a guy who does have experience with Ken Dorsey. And so one of the biggest risks you take in free agency is you don't really know these guys. And so there's a significant risk in not knowing who you're bringing in and how they fit in the locker room. Ken Dorsey should know whether Gabe Davis is a good signing or not here. So if he endorses it, I feel comfortable with it. But I I think what's in, I think when it comes to the offense, we're going to overcomplicate what the Browns need. We're oh we just need a number one wide receiver. If you can get it, that's great. Give me a speed guy that can be what Marquise Goodwin was supposed to be this year, opposite of Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, because more speed's going to put more. I mean, look at what Baltimore did. Baltimore's offense at its best. Yes, they had Zay Flowers. Yes, OBJ. When he wasn't, you know, getting randomly hurt uh, walking, OBJ was a guy whose speed put pressure on opposing uh, offense or opposing defenses. But like, they, they were at their best when you threw in a guy like Keaton Mitchell out of the backfield, who was another kid that ran like a four-two. So more speed, please. Yes, and thank you. I also think you could use some speed on the defensive side of the ball. I think it would make sense in your the middle of your defense. I think I think one of the biggest decisions they're going to have to make is on the defensive or on the the middle linebacker spot, and whether continue to bring back like an Anthony Walker, but it was also quite it, it it made me pretty happy to hear Nathan say, "Go find another great pass rusher." Now he he focused on edge rusher, just if you get one more guy, sorry, one guy, one because Miles is the first guy, but it's another uh, defensive lineman. That can get 10 plus sacks, I think you would see that defense next year take an, an, an even second step, that another higher gear than what they had this year with Jim Schwartz. 216 474 0092. Nathan Zagura said speed wide receiver, downfield playmaking threat as the biggest need on offense and another high level edge rusher on defense. Where do you think the Browns' needs start this offseason? And is there a number one need? Because I don't think it's the same as the kind of needs you had last
3: year, Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe.
1: What you got for us, buddy?
3: Dude, they do need a. Uh, I think you said butt full of speed. Not sure what size butt full they need, but they definitely need speed on the defense. Because I'll tell you what, Texas smoked them, and I didn't understand maybe they were partying the night before hard, but like that's where like that's where the speed was missing to me, you know. And I watched how aggressive a lot of guys on Baltimore are quick like that too, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we were missing Delpit because he has that instinct that he just jumps as soon as, you know, the ball's like that. Everybody else was in slow motion. It seemed like, so that was, I mean, that tight end, come on, runs 80 yards for a touchdown. And that was bad. We're watching the linebacker chase him. I agree. So, yeah, I agree with you there on offense, always smart speed, but I mean, can you catch the ball? Can you run around all that good stuff like that? And, you know, but that defense part, that's huge for us, I think, right there. Not so much on the line. I, I agree with the other pass rusher. Just to help Miles out, man. I'm tired of him getting beat up like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think – and, Joe, I appreciate the call, buddy. I think I kind of the lost part of why Miles has worn down at the end of the seasons is defenses have just been able to clue on him too much. When you're able to throw two, two blockers and one or two chips at Miles on every play – there's not a human being on the planet that can can withstand that kind of punishment. And because of the shoulder, I think you saw in the second half of the season or in the last last five, six games, they also started moving him around less, which I think only allowed defenses to clue in and get shots on him. And, I mean, you just you got to find a way. And I think long-term, I think the way that Jim Schwartz likes to mix up his rotations at edge is going to keep Miles fresh. I think that's good. But I think having another person out there, I mean, I, I think the greatest thing to ever happen to T.J. Watt is Alex Highsmith. And I, those are linebacker edge rushers versus hand-in-the-dirt edge rushers or guys who can do both. But, like, Alex Highsmith means you can't just overcommit attention to T.J. Watt and and beat him up the way you can, like Miles, in this defense. They've had a bunch of nice players, even, even Jadavian at his best, really nice player. Man, if you could get somebody that is, I mean, we're talking Pro Bowl level, pass rusher, that'd be huge for Miles.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?